Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a second, first, first, second. So Pop Culture Ninja has been established. These Go to Eleven have been established. We are now doing an official crossover with uh, the show Stranger Things. So obviously I have Greg Dutcher sitting across from me. Greg, what's going down, man? What up, man? I, I'll tell you, as that intro music was playing, it just kind of crawled back through the crack in the wall behind it weirdest looking bug <laughs> and i felt like i was in the upside down but we'll get to that that's right the flea time. yes um and then also uh not here live uh in person but here live vocally uh nathan bartleball nathan how you doing today i'm doing well here live on planet earth that's well, right. i have i have a gruesome stranger things bug story the best yours because i was sitting here drinking this uh, Troganator beer and a Ooh. bug fell out of the ceiling into my drink. <laughs> oh! well, I, I have swallowed it. So if I, uh, if you hear me choking bugs up later, you'll, uh, you'll know what happened. Dude, that is pretty weird that at the start of this episode there were <laughs> bugs. That, that, that We're done, man. <laughs> Let's see we, where it goes. We, yes, yes. I got some feelings about where it's going to go. Um, and joining us today, special guest, Ben Dutcher. Ben, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. For those of you who do not know, Ben is the son of Greg. We won't hold that against him. <laughs> yeah. He's got enough knocks against him being my son. Man. That's right. Yep. He doesn't need any more. We got to give him every grace that we could give him. Um, ben, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your age and grade and all that fun, crazy stuff, friends and hobbies. Where you go to school. So I'm Ben. Um, I'm 13, Beller Middle School, and I'm on swim team. Hey, Very that's cool. Good. And he's, uh, if you notice his head, hair, which is immediately distinguishes him from his father, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> is wet. And uh, I was a little worried tonight. I'm freezing. It, yeah, you're, you're cool. he just came from swim team. Yeah, uh, and uh, dried off enough to grab a bite to eat with me, and uh, well, we'll we'll warm up on this podcast. That's right. Um, so, actually, Ben, we're gonna um, start with you a little bit because you said you were thirteen. Yep. And I know for a fact you're in eighth grade, mm-hmm. which is uh, the exact grade and age uh, that our characters are in on Stranger Things. Yep. This is all things dedicated to Stranger Things. So, um, Ben, just want to get your perspective. What did you think about the movie as a 13 year old eighth grader from 2016 watching a very realistic portrayal of, uh, you know, a group of 13 year olds in eighth grade from 1983. Yeah, what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I thought it was kind of weird seeing mm-hmm. what they did instead of what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, as he said, like at, in the first episode, they they were playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever for like thirteen hours yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and like nobody really does it anymore. I mean, like my friend does because he's a geek too. <laughs> but, but like they they were like more into it to even him, and it was just weird to seeing like how they would deal with the monster. Like even like them like going out in the middle of the rain to like hunt the monster. Like nobody would be doing that today. Yeah. I think that they were actually braver back then than they, than we are now. Than kids are now. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. You mentioned, um, you know, uh, the thirteen-year-olds the uh, hanging out. Have you ever just hung out and played games with your friends for like twelve hours straight or ten hours straight? The most I've ever done was probably three hours. <laughs> you know what? That's wow. true. Yeah. yeah, it's a different world. And but Ben, a lot of what you'll do is you'll make videos with friends. Yeah. Ben yeah. uh, and a couple of his friends like making some videos and, yeah. and creative kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're more like the Super 8 kids. 
Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Which was what, Nathan? 1979? If memory yeah, serves. like 1980, right at the cusp of, of yeah. the 80s. Yes, yes. But I'll tell you, Nathan, the coolest thing in watching the show with Ben, mm-hmm. um, and we watched it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yeah, you're calling it a movie. Which Is it a movie or a TV show? TV show. Yeah, I mean, I it's, guess. it's a min- it's like I, I would almost view it it's as a mini like series. one of those. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a really long movie. Yeah. yeah, it has the essence of a movie, but it really has the essence of like a 1980s like page turner paperback. It does. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, it does, and it was it was so cool because when it you know, uh, and I know right now we're we're gonna wait for spoilers. Yep. For we a we few will minutes. get to spoilers. We will let you guys know um, out there listening when we get to those. But right now we're just gonna kind of talk more generic terms and, uh, and and about the show, and then we'll let you know when to turn it off if you haven't seen it. Well, of course, we um, – What I, I was so pumped to watch it with Ben because I told him, I said, when it comes up on the screen, it's like November 6, 1983. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Ben, I was, I was in eighth grade in November 6, 1983. Yeah. And so watching it with my eighth grade son and being able to say – oh, and let me ask both Nathans. How old were you guys in 83? Make me feel old. I was two. <laughs> I was double that age. Oh, man. He was twice your age then, dude. <laughs> it's funny because essentially I was thinking, watching it myself, and, you know, I was watching a 13-year-old kids, but thinking, you know what? I was my son's age yeah. in 1983, so. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's cool. So you, But you guys know enough about the yeah. 80s because yeah. you were certainly in it as little yeah. kids and close enough to it. But, dude, I, I just... So many 80s shows, movies, I don't know what it is. They kind of have a costume party look. You know, like it's it's a little too schmaltzy. Flock schmaltzy. of seagulls hairstyle. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got the mullet. And and um, it was just, they nailed it to me. Like mm-hmm. I told Ben, I felt like I was watching a, a video of my you know, growing up years. They could have shown Parkville Middle School right. um, at that exact time, uh, same time. The hairstyles, the clothes, and what did you guys notice? Everybody rode bikes. Yeah, that's a difference. I don't know how to ride a bike. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna failure as parent right here. (laughs) Actually, Ben, you you did at one point. I got to practice one time. Yeah, Ben has not ridden a bike in a long time. Part of it is um, where we lived for most of that time was not a good bike area. Now we have a perfect bike area. Now it would be, but then you scootered. Yeah, I have an electric scooter. Yeah, nice. So Nathan, let me, um, let me ask you real quick. What were your kind of thoughts and reactions? Because, um, as Greg said, you know, I was two, you were, you know, double that. Um, (laughs) but for me, I felt like it really did capture the eighties because, you know, even at, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old being in the eighties, um, I just, I remember it being like that. And I remember, you know, there was, you and I talked a lot about, you know, the, the movies that were coming out this summer and how disappointed because it was really like they were trying to cash in on the nostalgia. And I felt like this was genuinely nostalgic without trying to cash in on anything. It just, like you said, it really felt like a genuine eighties show. Your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there was a little bit of cashing in, but not in a clunky or perfunctory way. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's been true of many of the 80s 
nostalgia movies or you know sequels and trying to bring things back from the 80s and even you go back to a movie like super 8 from 2011 with these two movie these two shows movies whatever you want to call them have in common quite a bit in in kind of the overall themes that are going on you've got the military you've got this mysterious mm-hmm. force you've got kids on a mission and you've got that sense of suburbia as this kind of mysterious wondrous place i mean those are both elements of the shows yes but super eight to me while i enjoyed it when i saw it i felt like the nostalgia i was experiencing watching super eight was to look at that and say oh hey i remember that thing and i remember that poster and and that piece of music a lot of people that are trying to cash in on nostalgia view nostalgia is sort of like a collection or memorabilia of things whereas i kind of feel like the duffer brothers who made this their approach is more like they view nostalgia as a place yeah. Uh, as a kind of landscape, if you will, that you can search and you can move around in and you have characters who are real and fully realized. Because of that, watching it, I don't know if the 80s is exactly like this, but I will tell you that this is exactly how I remember the 80s feeling and being as I was living through it. And I think if that, you know, they talk about how this references Stephen King and Spielberg What's interesting about King and Spielberg, if you think about it, those are the movies and books and stories that we are nostalgic over from the 80s, but they themselves were nostalgia. I mean, George Lucas is making samurai movies in space, movies he watched when he was a kid. Spielberg Mm -hmm. is tapping into 50s alien movies and 30s adventure serials, and Stephen King is tapping into gothic horror. They were all making nostalgia too, but because it had fully fleshed out characters, we remember it as its own thing. And I think that this, regardless of what happens in other seasons, I think this first season will, I think it has the potential to stand the test of time as a unique story that's not just nostalgia. Well said, man. That's great. Well said. Can can I ask Nathan, because you might know, but maybe our resident film expert know. Sure. Who are the Duffer brothers? I'd never heard of these dudes. Until they're kind of watching it, the people that made Stranger Things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, guys, There's we bring you were we bring about. Ben on for that kind of insight right there. That's right. That's good, Ben. Well timed, Ben. Well timed. You set him up and he knocks him down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, mean, as, as, who are they? Yeah, as far as um, I, I mean, as far as I know, um, actually, it's interesting because I really typically I will go on IMDb and try to look up what other people have done before. Yes. Um, see if, you know, this is kind of like a big breakthrough role or if they have been in the scenes all along. Uh, I don't think I actually looked up the Duffer brothers once to see what they've done before. Nathan. Ooh, pick me, pick me. Yeah. Um, go for it. <laughs> so they haven't done much. Now they did a movie. You can find it, uh, red box, probably at the library or on DVD called hidden, which is only a year or two old. It's kind of a horror movie in a, almost a twilight zone sort of vein with a kind of a twist. And because it had a twist M night Shyamalan sort of latched onto them and he hired them to work on a show called wayward pines. Oh, yeah. It started last summer and ran this <laughs> summer. Actually not a bad show, an interesting show, not at the same caliber of stranger things. And, through this process, the Duffer Brothers have been pitching this. They were pitching it to lots of different studios and to lots of different uh, production companies, really, to anyone. Listen, it took them a long time to get somebody because I don't think they were really willing to compromise what their vision for it was. So there was a lot of passion behind it. Interesting. Nice. So I'm wondering, I mean, not that I expect you to know all this, Nathan, but how they landed, I mean, such a 
because, I mean, obviously getting on Netflix now is a pretty big deal uh, when you consider the success of shows like um, oh, House of Cards yeah. and, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, like nobody knows about that. Daredevil. Yeah. yeah look, it's, that's kind of the brilliance Netflix. of Netflix yeah. still, though. You're I, right. You're right. It, Netflix is still looking for fresh voices regardless of, you know, they could run out and grab, probably line up a lot of big people to work with them, and they have, but – Honestly, some of those results haven't been as good. Uh, you know, last summer they brought the Wachowskis in and did a, a show called Sense8 or something, and I made it through maybe an episode or two of that. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of what's hitting is stuff that they're bringing in and they're giving a kind of fresh spin on. So I kudos to Netflix for still taking weird chances and things working out for them. So true. Yeah. Um, ben, I'm going to come back to you f- um, for a second here. Um, as we're talking and we're – remembering you talked about you know there being Mm. many differences between yeah uh you know the kids and you mentioned that idea of you know them getting together and playing dungeons and dragons Mm. for a long period of time um what were some of the other similarities or differences that you noticed uh between the kids and, and kids your age today well, a difference is their hair was a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> was it shaggy, Ben? Uh-huh, just like you. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't – you know what I love? This is probably terrible to say. But you know who, who's the character mom goes, oh, yeah. that's, that's not a good-looking kid. Yeah. The main – what's yeah, his name? The, the main character. I forgot his name. Um, who's the main character, guys? Uh, Will. Yeah, yeah right. not, not Will. No, not, sort of, uh, Mike? Um, Mike. 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 Yeah. Mike. And – he, I'm not kidding you guys. If I should, exactly. I, I looked exactly like him. <laughs> and then when the one bully in the scene calls him Frog Face, did said, people you call your Frog yeah, Face? Yeah, she said, did, I, did anybody call you Frog Face? I was like, hey, none, uh, none taken. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, but I did tell him, and I could testify that the clothes, yeah. there really were nerdier girls. That dress like Barb? Mm-hmm. There really were? Yeah. That, yeah. The whole Barb look, I looked at that and I was like, I know people who dressed exactly, like you could visualize yes. yeah. that girl. Yes. Yes. When she came on the screen, my wife started laughing because she said, oh my word, she reminded me of such and such. Yeah. That she went to middle school with or high school with. She reminded me and there that was a, it was, you know, there's, there's always a nerd yeah. look, so to speak. I was so shocked because I've never seen anybody look like that ever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is we, that uh, the demigorgon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a real twist there, man. We, we, we'll say this much. That's not one of the spoilers. Yeah. Barb is not the demigorgon. But yeah. we'll, well, that kind of is a spoiler. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you sure. don't know what season two has in store. That's right, man. That's true. They could do a whole lot of things. Wow. Oh, that's so funny. Um, so, uh, you know, going along with dress and hairstyle, what are some other things? Like, what were some things that you could relate to in the characters? Yeah. Oh, well... They were nerds, like, and, like, the uh, the bullies, they were kind of similar, like, the insults they do, because they were actually bullies in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, they were, like, way more violent and stuff than they are now, like, how we threatened to, like, take the kid's teeth out. Right, <laughs> right, like, right. Like, yeah. now, nobody would ever do that. Nobody would yeah. even try to. Well, in in your experience, Ben, and I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true necessarily everywhere, yeah. but yeah. you're right. And part of it, it's funny, because Ben asked me about that. Remember you said... Dad, were there bullies like that? Yeah. When, when you were a kid, and I think to 
Nathan Bartleball's point to part of the appeal to me is the universalism of the show. Yeah. That there's always those kids. Yeah. Yeah, they have the 80s garb. Yeah. They have the 80s hair and style and maybe some of the phrases, but... Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting, there. Ben, bringing that up is I, I think you're right. I, I don't think that there is as much of that open bullying mm-hmm. going on because yeah. it is so, uh, it, it, you know, we are over 30 years later yeah. looking at this and people, you know, back then, teachers, parents, adults, there was more of a mentality of, you know, unless they physically hurt you, you just need to suck up and deal with it. Sticks and, and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And or so punch them in the teeth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Knock them out. Eye for an eye. Uh, yeah. 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 But there was a lot more of that where today we are so PC that, you know, standing up to the bullies and, you know, uh, even the bullies, the way they were bullying the students just completely is not tolerated. It's true. And so you have a lot yeah. more subtlety in bullying. You have a lot more ways where they're scooting around it. Cyberbullying is yeah. huge nowadays. Yeah. I think it's more that it's evolved than that it is yeah. lessened or gone away. Yeah. And at the same time, bullying is not, you know, it's not highly enlightened. It's not very imaginative. So it hasn't changed a whole lot in its very base yeah. structure yeah. from – 30 years ago to now. Yes. Yes. And I, I was glad uh, this is going to sound weird because it's a detestable thing, but they're capturing the reality of bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that showed um, where I, I, of all the problems in this country, now this is a controversial statement, but I think we have made some progress. Mm-hmm. Not saying we've reached the finish line by, by any means, but I see it in my own kids and the way they, interact with other kids in their school, church, surrounding areas, that, um, you know, the uh, the one one of the four main eighth graders is a black kid. What, what's his name, guys? You remember? Oh, I forget all their names. Yeah, I'm forgetting their names now, You're too. You're talking about Lucas? Is it Lucas? Yes. Yeah. I remember 11. Yes, right, right. <laughs> if they were all numbers, it'd be easy. It would be, man. That would be the easiest one to, uh, to remember. But if you remember in the bullying scene in the first or second episode, uh, those two thugs come and they pick on each kid. Yeah, or the three that are there, and you remember they called the black kid Midnight, mm. and I do remember in 1983, probably very similar. My middle school uh, was probably less than five percent African American, mm-hmm. and I do remember a couple of those kids getting picked on for being black. That's something. Not that that still isn't in the human heart, mm-hmm. but you're right, Nathan. The policies, everything that's in place. I mean, that stuff gets shut down fast. Um. But so I, I'm glad they didn't skirt that. Yeah. You know, like almost bring a, a more um, 2016 right. perspective slash policy into that world. Because, right. I mean, the kid just openly said, oh, hey, midnight. I thought, yeah, yeah I, I remember that. Yeah. I remember those kinds of remarks, you know, yeah. being and worse. You know, I, I think what would be interesting, um, Ben, is I would like you <coughs> to give a um, what you think is just a good summary of the show, like a, you know, just a general description, uh, make a little assignment for you. Ooh. So if you had, if you had to write a book report in school about oh, a book, just, book just give me, give me like the quote unquote book report about the show like without what, spoilers, without spoilers. Oh, that's hard. That was I gonna say. Um, put but, it in song form. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, no, thanks. Could you do it in iambic pentameter? <laughs> Haiku. <No. laughs> Uh, but just tell me through your eyes how you view this, because I have a feeling that 
uh, the three of us older guys are going to have different thoughts sure, and experiences man. about viewing it. Um, but I, but I'm curious to see how you view it and and how you would describe it to someone. Well, I loved it. Obviously, I it's my the fa- my favorite show I've ever watched because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't watched many shows. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you're falling the- behind, man, dude. Yeah. The kid right. can't ride a bike. No. He hasn't seen many shows. I have failed, dude. <laughs> It's like it's this and Falcon Crest. Those are the um, the only shows that is watched. Well, I don't know why I said Falcon Crest, but uh, just just a, just a show that popped into my head from like 1983. I was gonna like, say you're gonna throw like Dallas in there. Yeah, Rip, yeah, Rip died. Uh, yeah, that, but I like that. See, Ben, that's putting you on the spot. Yeah. Maybe a way to think of it is a buddy of yours wants to see it and says, "Tell yeah. me what it's about, but don't give it away." What would you say? Yeah. Well, as I said, I loved it. Um, I loved how it was in 1983 instead of 2016 uh-huh. because, like, if – so, like, with the phones and stuff, like, all the stuff the monster does, they couldn't have done that with, like, a cell phone or something. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Because now, like, there's so many different things you could have done to, like, deal with the monster. Like, like you could have called 911 easily and they could have, like, come and do- done something. Uh-huh. Now it's a little bit different. Like back then, it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and tell us too. Like who gives? Who are the main characters? Obviously, we've talked. I mean, what's basically happening in in the uh, in the world of Stranger Things? So you want me to tell what's happening uh, without giving the spoiler? Uh, everything. <laughs> every scene is important. Yeah, that's that why. Is, that is uh, well. You mentioned one of the characters, um, Eleven. Yeah. yeah. And what is it um, in Eleven? Because obviously Eleven is is the central character, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're again we're going to get to the spoilers. But what else about Eleven compelled you to like that character? Ooh, just how mysterious Eleven is. Okay. Like how like Eleven like doesn't talk much mm-hmm. really that's not really a spoiler because you'll find that out yeah, the first time. <laughs> yeah. that's true <laughs> yeah first yeah. two minutes yeah yeah so she's always been mysterious really throughout the entire show there's still a bunch of mysteries you still didn't figure out about 11 mm-hmm. and just she's such a weird character i still don't completely understand her mm, yeah yeah that's good very good um i'm gonna throw it over to you nathan um and just let you give a general uh, synopsis of stranger things um again you know that idea of you're you're recommending it to someone what are what are some of the things that you would tell this person um in your recommendation to them in a world <laughs> needle point sweaters uh, see i was going to do that yeah <laughs> and uh and I was just kid enough to do it. Uh, so I think it is going to appeal to people who, yes, people who enjoy science fiction and fantasy, they're going to enjoy it. I think, though, that people that enjoyed movies and stories like Stand By Me, this is a coming-of-age story yeah. about a bunch of kids in the 1980s. But in a sense, that small town that they live in is even in its own way cut off a little bit from everything else that's going on in the in the. 80s. Yeah. So there it is a little like bit a of a more universal to feel to yeah. it, I think, uh, with that small town. There could be small town stories that you could set in probably modern times, and you wouldn't have all the references, but not a lot might change mm-hmm. in a lot of other ways. So you have that story. You have the boy who goes missing, 
And then you have the kids who essentially go on this quest to find him. And that's where elements of stories like the Goonies and stuff come in. And then Eleven, Van, what you said was great. Like what is so compelling about her is her mystery and that they allow her to be mysterious without giving everything away. Yes. Uh, And and not even in just a let's keep it till next season sort of way. That that a little actress, Millie Bobby Brown, which is a great name, by the way. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. The way she embodied the character, there was she was never going to put all the cards on the table. And yeah. I think that Eleven is almost like the master stroke of the of the show. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Will Byers, who is the little boy who's missing. Yeah. And we know right up front that something kind of sinister has happened to him. So it's not just normal missing. We don't know what's going on. And I would say. The, this I, I'm trying to think if you were going to rate this movie, I'm talking not like stars, but in terms of like uh, what would MPA rating, I, I'm thinking this would be really almost like a PG-13. I mean, it might have pushed its way into R, but I kind of feel like what you said earlier, Greg, that really the the right age for this is 13. I think that's about right because yeah. I didn't feel that there was a lot of uh, excessiveness or over-the-top elements to this. It's a very – well-told story it's not i wouldn't say it's deep by any means sure but i think we have limited and we've reduced what we consider good popcorn entertainment back in the 80s this has been considered really good popcorn entertainment now we almost view it as something lofty because popcorn entertainment is now like you know two guys in capes punching each other for reasons they don't know yes (laughs) find out they have the same mom but uh i think that what's interesting about Stranger Things, I think for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, is this is very story driven. Yeah. But you're going to get into these characters, and you're going to find nuances to some of these characters that you didn't expect. Yes. Uh, I like one of the things I think is fascinating is I, we we're calling this the kids' story, but in reality there are two or three different plots going on that are given about equal. Uh, equal time enough that you can make the case too for this being a story about a mother who is trying to both grieve and connect if possible with her son who is beyond her grasp right now. Yes. That could be, this is also a story about a sheriff who is trying to reconcile some of his old wounds in the past with what's happening now. This is a story about a little girl who doesn't know how to be a little girl because people have taken something kind of, integral away from her yes and left her with other things and it's any of those stories oh i mean no honestly it's really all about barb but i mean (laughs) (laughs) she's the link but uh that could have almost been you know what about bob reference reference there that's right man (laughs) what about barb it's also the story about a a lonely strange thing who gets lost you know (laughs) world and everyone misunderstands it but uh i mean uh it's just well done, I think, on the character level, and it is telling some different stories all together at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Greg, I want to throw it over to you. So something, you know, again, you're describing this to uh, to someone without giving any spoilers away. What are what are some of the things that you would hit on in, in yeah. trying to describe this and get someone to watch it? Yeah, I would tell – it's funny. When, when um, Nathan was just giving us his um, – uh, his thoughts there, uh, I heard Ben kind of chime in really quickly in the background and say, it kind of felt, and I know what he means, like a campground. Mm-hmm. And that kind of taps me into what uh, Nathan said earlier, that it, 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 somehow these movies had a way of making suburbia a place of wonder. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know, that town almost felt like a group of people on a retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's which, what I first thought it was when I first started watching. Yes, yes. Cause you were, and it does kind of show, Ben, that even our yeah. town today is different. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I sort of remember in the early 80s, mm-hmm. might have been where I was geographically, mm-hmm. which isn't terribly far from here. The homes were closer together. Mm-hmm. More people seemed to know each other. Um, we didn't have, however, that small town police department right. where you know the sheriff, you know the right. deputies and stuff. But, but think just like, you know, 30 miles away, you've got Harford County, Bel Air, yes. which at that time would have had it, it, You know what? You're exactly right. Because, Growing up in Harford County, that was sort of the way. Yeah. Wow. Because I, I remember, dude, because uh, I grew up in, in Baltimore County, my mother, I, I was about eight or nine, and I remember she had to take me one time, uh, She some appointment in Bel Air. <laughs> And it's like the city. It's the hub. <laughs> it, it was. But in driving up there, I felt like I was driving, you know, just, you know. We're going out on the town. Yeah. And, and I, I had to go the whole East Coast yeah. to get up to Bel Air, Maryland. And it was uh, – it just had a, a a really neat feel. But I would say um, there's something about these kids in a town that are riding bikes. There's yeah. no doubt. I'm sure when we get into it, we'll talk some of the E.T. imagery, which I thought was – just as obvious as the nose right. on your face, you know, uh, on, on so many levels, but, uh, enjoyable. Um, and just that sense of, um, adventure yeah. was just captured. And I don't know why, if it reminds you guys of this difference, it had a similar feel to me. And did you guys ever see, I think it was a 1983 movie as well with Jason Robards, something wicked, something this wicked. This yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. No. It, it, yeah, ben, <laughs> ben, we'll see that one. We'll that is see something one. we should have to remedy. Yeah. Yes, yes. So you, uh, you guys dig that movie? Yeah. I mean, I loved that movie. That's an every Halloween movie. Yes, me. yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the feel and, of the town. Um, I mean, obviously a different story, but mm-hmm. genuinely, even though it was more preteen, kid-centric stuff, mm-hmm. genuinely pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, it was. Um, and what's fascinating about Something Wicked This to make that comparison, Something Wicked This Way comes was its own period piece taking place in the 40s or 50s. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And uh, the the traveling carnival yeah. uh, just had such a cool feel to it. I, I love that story. And I, I had a, a very similar reaction to Stranger Things. Yeah. It was uh, so, Ben. That's that'll be on our list to watch. Mm-hmm. Something wicked this way comes, and that that originally was Ray Bradbury. And there's yes. a lot of Ray Ray Bradbury, probably one of my all time favorite authors. Yeah, and you can see a lot of King's uh, drawing influences from Ray Bradbury when he writes his stories. And I think that that tone, Bradbury, he wrote a book called Dandelion Wine, which really isn't mm-hmm. fantasy or science fiction, but it had such a love of the small town. Yeah, and I. I felt that that was legitimately true here too. Yes, yeah. yes, it was um, real, real sense of of wonder. Um, and I, just one thing, as a parent, I, there's an elephant in the room. I want to identify it. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about my gut. Um, I'll just say that too. But yeah, I mean, definitely, it was something I looked at online for sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to embarrass Ben here, but we 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 kind of have a little thing where he'll ask me sometimes, right, Ben. Hey, Dad, is this a scene I shouldn't watch? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, every parent's going to make that call. Right. And I respect that for the kid. Um, I, yeah, I mean, Ben and I talk about that stuff, and this is what you'll see in the world. Uh, I know we were talking, Nathan, a week or so ago. Tim Challies wrote a yep. little blog on it, and it was just his personal yep. feeling. He wasn't over the top about it, just yep. that 
He didn't want to see it once he saw the first episode. Uh, I felt fine. Uh, and I'm sure. just saying to parents, um, you know, everybody can make that call. Uh, there wasn't any nudity. Correct. Um, yeah. there, there's, with some of the older teenagers, there's, what, an episode or two? There's only one episode, I think. I think it really was, mm-hmm. where that, you know, that theme is there. Right. Well, and, and Greg, this is <clears throat> this is where, you know, I'll go ahead and chime in now. This is an amalgamation of every... 80s themed show or movie you've ever seen 16 candles so you do have like that teenage love story going on that's thrown in there you do have the et alien type story going on in there you do have the science fiction story going on in there like every everything is combined and put in nathan when you were talking about you know there's more going on um in terms of storylines than just what's going on with the kids and i was thinking how many 80s shows or movies came out that dealt with missing children yes and and this one deals with missing children yeah um and so there's it, it really is and and that's what was so fascinating was um you know i we we keep saying movie or show it's it's eight episodes on netflix um, this reminds me of something I would have sat down and watched during that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the age of the era of the miniseries. That's right. Yes, that's and right. That's what I loved it being on Netflix because of that. Like we sat down and binge watched it when it first came on. Yeah. Like night. And the way each episode ends, it's such a cliffhanger. Yes. That yeah. you feel like you've got to go to the next. Yes. And it reminded me of what it was to sit down and watch some of those big miniseries events like V. Do you remember yes. V? Oh, yes. I still own that on oh, VHS. Mark v, Singer, then, man. Yep. To what, yes, yeah. yes. And Robert England and yep. all those. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, stuff like that, like V. And then later, I guess really at the cusp of the change from the 80s into the 90s, uh, Stephen King's It with yes. Tim Curry and, as a clown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, that. Uh, and did you know, Nathan? I'm sure you you probably know, they're they're remaking it. I've seen a lot of uh, yeah behind the scenes stuff yeah. on that, um, and they're they're redoing that. So I mean, Stephen King is always sort of in and out, yeah. and in in vogue or out of vogue, depending on uh, who's taking his project. But I don't yeah. know how they're going to replace Tim Curry as Pennywise. I know, well, and, and they you yeah. won't. I think that's the thing. The It miniseries wasn't really fantastic because. I think they realized at some point Stephen King just went way out of left field as far as the story went yeah, in the yeah. book. It goes so far out, it's hard to capture any of that on screen because they learned to channel Dark Tower stuff. And yet what they they did capture was the clown and yep. the kid. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, because they had John Boy, right? And, yes. Uh, G- the, the now late Jack Ritter, Ritter yeah. or, or John Ritter, Jack Tripper. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was um, – yeah, there, there was so much King – that was obvious. I mean, even I heard people say the Stranger Things um, uh, graphic, uh, which our f- mutual friend Josh Mitchell told me, is not, did you know, he said, is not made via computer. Oh, interesting. They were handmade letters yeah. cut out, and there was a light. They were done out. in the same style of the guy who used to do the typefaces for oh, all of those. Y- you can in tell, the first Star Wars yeah. movie, they did the exact same thing. Is that right? They like had to like pull the letters back. Oh, mm. I'm surprised. See, man, you're busted. See, you're going way back. That was 77, dude. You're yeah. going back to your dad's childhood there. Um, but they, uh, yeah, I, I, I did see that the covers, if you look at any cover of a Stephen yeah. King book, which they kind of cutely reference, uh, right. There's a scene where Hopper walks by and the dude's reading Cujo. Yeah. Because oh, I read that book, that crazy dog or something like that. Right. Um, it, Cujo, uh, all those books in that era, Christine, had that same, I don't know, kind of weirdly gothic type yeah. font. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I love how they put that in there. Very cool. Mom doesn't like it. Yeah, she said. She, yeah, that that was her thoughts because I don't, I don't like, like the graphics. It's, it's, but like, I, I think the graphic makes the show better somehow. Yeah, like how the intro secrets comes on. I agree. It gives it a real authentic look. Yeah. Specifically, Very. reminded me of like the Dead Zone movie. Like yes, Dead Zone. The words coming yes. slowly onto the screen. Christopher yes. Walken. That's right. Another Stephen yeah. King story. Yeah. And so, and you know what? Too a, a good, uh, an interesting reference was that Matthew Modine's kind of creepy scientist yes, character looks yeah. just like David Cronenberg, the wow. director who made uh, the dead zone. Dude, he does. I didn't even catch that. He really does. Um, and of course, Modine, um, a lot of it was an eighties actor. Yeah. I remember he did a, a movie called vision quest. Yeah. Yes. Remember that? Where, yes. where, where he's like a wrestler. Yeah. That should be a whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a pop culture ninja vision quest. Yes, yes. And obviously, having Winona Ryder, who got her start in the 80s, yep. and Matthew Modine, had to be intentional. Oh, yeah. You know, to bring these sort of 80s uh, actors in, into the fore was yeah, really Steve cool. Steve feels like he just fell right out of the movie Heathers. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He does. He mm. absolutely. And, dude, how many guys did you see in the 80s like Steve Harrington in oh, that yeah. show? Oh, yeah. His hair was ready to literally fly off his head like an eagle. And it was. It was. And when the character, the the girl, keeps saying, oh, you're, what is it, you're an idiot? What did she say, Ben? You're an idiot, Steve Harrington. Yes. I was like, yeah, I would agree. Um, <laughs> so they kind of narrated what the audience was feeling every time you saw that guy. But That's I hated it. his friends even more. Oh, his friends were the worst. Yeah. Weren't they? They oh, were. Terrible. All right. We, um, so I think we've, covered a lot you know we really um you know all four of us would recommend you know you guys go out and see the show if you haven't um if you haven't seen it and you want to avoid spoilers now's the time to turn this off turn it off um if you haven't seen it and you don't care about spoilers keep listening um and we're just we're just gonna rock on and uh just talk about the show from here so um Ben, I know you've been uh, mm-hmm. so excited about mm-hmm. this. So um, now I want you to go ahead and uh, you know talk to us about um, some of the things that you really liked in this show. And you can go ahead and feel yeah. free to spoil away. Anything. So, man. Yeah. Okay. So Eleven was by far like my favorite character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like everybody else, there's a group of kids. There's like a cop. What are they gonna do against a giant monster like <laughs> like like in the upside down traveling through walls. Eleven's the only one that can handle it. Like like in the Avengers, like how is Hawkeye gonna deal with Thanos? That's why they're adding like Doctor Strange and like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, Eleven is uh, Eleven is like the character that can kill the monster and everybody else like isn't really necessary. Ooh. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I like it uh what Ben said there, because we've talked about that yeah. how it is true, like Thanos, who you haven't seen yet do hey, anything. Hey, I have a bow and arrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you got a bow and arrow, or frankly, even if you can shoot webs, right? Like, like don't you feel like you kind of need a Doctor Strange? Yeah, or or you yeah, have a shield. Hawkeye like... still has one up over Captain Boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait, there was another yeah. guy in Suicide Squad. His name was Slipknot. He had the power to climb anything. Yeah, oh. it helped him out. Helped <laughs> him out real well. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> Slipknot. That's so funny. Yeah, that um, that's cool, Ben. And I don't know, Nathan. You can guide us as you want. Yeah. Um, 
because Nathan and I have been talking a lot about the theories. Do you want to save that for a little bit? Yeah, we'll save okay. that for sure. a little bit longer. Sure. Um, so now it was interesting, Ben, because you said um, you know the other characters were kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested. Why do you think? Um, why do you think they were unnecessary? Well, I think that they were necessary to make the show good. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like in reality, you wouldn't really need all the other people because you saw from that one scene with like um, Nancy and and. Steve it's Harrington Steve, yeah. and the other guy, mm-hmm. how they like bur- burned him. They like did all that. Mm-hmm. And he only came out and the upside down, like injured. Mm-hmm. Nothing else happened to him. He didn't yeah. like die. Yeah. Dude, what was up with that? Cause didn't it seem like they, they had him, And then it's like, they look back and was, he's like a zombie. I don't think he, he can die like normally without 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the 11 theory comes in. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Nathan, I'm actually going to throw this one to you and ask it. So that, um, that scene in the show, where uh, you know they've trapped him in the house and they've got him caught in that bear it's trap. A bear trap, man. Yeah. And um, you know they light him on fire, um, and what's seemingly left behind is this melted foot, almost, yes. and the thing disappears. What do you think was going on with with that creature and the dimension shifting and all that? Totally faked his own death. <laughs> <laughs> Psyched him out. Yeah. Very, very. <laughs> You'll never catch me. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think it was like the prestige. So he had all of yeah. his brothers and sisters. I mean, how many pedal heads can there be? In the Probably thousands. They look like they're born by the bastards. Pedal heads. That's great, man. I love it. Yeah. Um, love it. Well, I think that's the kind of interesting thing. I mean, I thought that that was mostly a reference to these horror movies from the 80s. And and Ben may not have experienced this very much, but it, the classic thing in any 80s movie, not necessarily even just a horror movie, is that the villain looks like they're toast, like sure. literal toast, <laughs> yep. like they've been burned up and like a microwave fire. And yep. then they come back yeah. by yeah. some means. I mean, how many times did Jason Voorhees, they were uh, nothing left, the hockey yeah. mask yeah. burned up, and he still comes back, all, you know, 350 pounds of him, mm-hmm. and the machete's still in his hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, that was there were elements of this i think we've also become that culture that like obviously obsesses over these things to the point where we ask all these questions and if we can't find every single facet if we find one flaw in the diamond then it's sort of like there are plot holes (laughs) you know he's a monster from another dimension he might have just thrown himself back into the interdimensional swamp and kind of cooled off and then came back uh but as ben says you know if it is tied and i there's I guess I don't want to talk maybe too much about all the theories, but the idea of him being tied to Eleven, I think that they play with that a little bit. But, you know, I didn't think that it was as overt maybe as some of the the, the people who are pushing these theories talk about. Clearly, I think Eleven is a conduit. She is tied to the monster somehow. But one of the things I kind of enjoyed about the creature was that it really does seem just to be a creature. Yeah, uh, which means it doesn't seem to be some malevolent warlord from another dimension or something that is particularly evil per se. Yeah. Uh, when we see what little shots and hints and scenes we see of the the uh, upside down, the upside down looks like a real place, which is what which makes me sort of question: uh, Is this real? This isn't all of Eleven's making. She has tapped into a real world with a real ecosystem and a biology, and this thing just seems to be doing what it would be doing in its own hair-brained universe. Uh, it is trying to feed. It seems to be trying to 
uh, Spawn Young, yeah. you know, in a really grotesque manner. Yeah. Poor, poor Barb. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, what it seems to be doing is just whatever its natural or unnatural function is. It doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have a moral evil bent per se, at least as far as I could tell. And I thought that that was interesting. And I thought that spoke maybe to the idea that what we've tapped into is a, a universe, which I think is what the dungeons and dragons element sort of lays out is that there's this whole other world that can be explored and has creatures that are going about doing their own thing. Uh, Greg, you're a big Stephen King fan. Do you remember the mist? Oh yeah. Short story, the mist. I thought that the upside down really, Reminded me of that element of the mist where it they did. break a hole in the in the fabric of the universe yes. and these things spill out and they're horrible, terrible, nightmare inducing things. But as far as anyone can tell, they're just doing what they would normally be doing yes. in their own little universe. Yeah, they're not like um, I know exactly what you mean. Where in V, you've got aliens from another planet yeah. or something with an agenda. <laughs> exactly yeah. with this malevolent mission. <clears throat> there was another one. I think it was from a Buick Eight. Yes, the Stephen King story that had another feel of the aliens coming over, or the these alien style beings coming over, and then they King flips the script and has a scene where humans end up flopped over in the you know just as the characters end up in the upside down, they're now sort of the aliens yes. at the mercy of these of, of everything that's there, and we haven't seen a lot of the upside down yet, but I think that's what I'm most interested in seeing explored in season two. Same here. Yeah. And I really, in a way, I hope that it's not something as simple as the monster is 11 or something like that. I, I want yeah. to see this mm-hmm. universe explored. That's a, a really good point. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say something there, Ben? I actually don't think the theory is true. Oh, you're kind of changing all. on it, huh? Yeah. Yes, because we uh, – remember, I showed you that little yep. video, Nathan. I mean, and it, uh, we wondered, is it – are they trying to throw you off? Well, yes. <laughs> I, I think that, but – I don't think Eleven is meant to be the monster, because, okay, I think Eleven is meant to be the person to destroy the monster. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't want to see, like, oh, as soon as they kill the monster, um, Eleven dies. Also, in the X-Men thing they mentioned, like, how Jean Grey was, like, in, had, like, an evil side or something. And this different from this, because it wouldn't be an evil side. Because the, the the monster really isn't evil. It's like a monster. Like, it, it, it needs to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like an evil side of Eleven. It would just be a monster. Like, I, it doesn't really make any sense. Sure. Interesting. And, they, you know, that's a good point. Because they do portray it, to, to Nathan's point, like an animal. Yeah. In fact, don't the scientists they, even call it the animal? He, yeah. He lures on blood. Yeah, I mean, there's blood that draws he, him, he, which he, like, any wild animal would, would do and he's hungry and he wants to feed he's instinctual uh-huh. yes but yes. in that way in in the I, the reason i don't think the theory is correct is what the the duffer brothers seem to be doing is that the monster is metaphorically 11 11 has been bred to be an instinctual being by yes. these military mm-hmm. people yeah and the whole point of the kids is can they pull her away from being the monster oh that's good yeah. Okay, can I just like take a pause here? Yeah. Um, Eleven and her powers. The greatest come up its moment ever is when the bullies are attacking <laughs> oh, uh, Mike and his friends and she just kind of looks at the kid and flicks her neck and breaks his arm. Oh, oh that I love that, oh, yeah. I love yeah. scenes like that. We're like <laughs> we're like we're like the nerds or whatever like are getting bullied and then like their superhero friend comes and saves them. And saves them, yeah. Well, and then I the best that. the best thing is after that when they're in the police station making the report and the officers trying not to laugh. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, he got his arm broke by a girl. By a girl, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, is a total 80s thing. I love it how was he peed an himself. 80s thing. Yeah, well, and I thought that's what you were going to say when she made him pee himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, you know, and it, it's the humiliation factor, yeah. which, of course, another 80s thing. Oh, the bully always gets humiliated. Not just beaten, but kind right. of exposed right. that he's he's not. Falls into a giant pile of manure. It's, yes. Yeah, exactly. Back to the future. Poor Biff, man. But um, to, to go back to, to Nathan's point, when you mentioned The Mist, yeah. Uh, now, Nathan, remind me, did you read the Dark Tower series? Yep, whole thing. Yes, because does, isn't one of King's um, almost fairly developed worlds, or he talks about it enough, called Toadash Darkness? Yes, and, and that that is sort, and that's what the left, the upside down basically feels like it's drawn from that toadash, where it's kind of the chaos. Yes, that seems to be in between all structured reality. Yes, and the the terror, and I'm, I think Roland uh, Roland of Gilead, the gunslinger in that series, warns of that at times, or talks of that, or his mentors do that. The most terrifying thing is to fall into that realm. Uh, because he says there's creatures there that are unspeakably awful. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is it the Dark Tower that has the thinnies where reality has gotten very uh, elastic? Yes, and, and there's places where you, it almost looks uh, blurry. Right, uh, which is sort of seems to be what's kind of happening in the scenes where the monster seems to be coming through the wall of yes, Winona yeah. Park's house. It still yes. haven't explained that. No, but I think he's right. It's It's like this other dimension... Like, has encroached on it's, our world. It's a paranormal area, but like, it's a, there's a scientific way to get to it. Ah, yes, yeah. yes, uh, and it, to tap into it, and even the the cool scene with the uh, sleep depri- or the uh, sensory deprivation chamber they made yeah. in the in the middle school gym, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, like they try to make it seem scientific, but how would laying in a pool send you like to another dimension? Well, I viewed it. Didn't it just help her tap into it with her mind? Yeah, but I didn't really understand it. I th- uh, and I think uh, this is. And Greg, you probably remember this too. In the '80s, there was a lot more kind of crazy, oddball. I think the supernatural and the uh, paranormal. I mean, it's popular now, but in the '80s, it was popular in a way where people kind of like were buying into it. Yes, yeah. a little bit more. And sensory deprivation tanks and the idea of sort of going into this sleep stasis. Uh, there was even a movie in the '80s, Altered States. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Right, one. right. Yeah, yeah, I remember Altered States. That yeah. had that. You know, the guy is able to actually change his physiology because of being in these these deprivation tanks. Uh, but that whole kind of idea of the supernatural, when before Stranger Things, before they settled on the town that they, they it took place in, the Duffer Brothers were actually going to set it. And when I was looking it up, like when, when Nathan and I did our summer preview, before anyone knew what a Stranger Things was, I yeah. had it on the list, but I didn't. I didn't even realize it took place in the 80s or anything like that. My understanding was it was going to be – it was supposed to originally take place in Montauk, New York, mm. uh, which was this – if you look at the Montauk stories, there's even, a, I think, a documentary called like the Montauk Chronicles that dealt with an underground military base that was supposedly in the 80s doing these sort of experiments, sort of almost like the MK Ultra tapping into the human mind to create yeah. super soldiers. So I think Captain that sleep America. deprivation yeah. tank – was just another kind of throwback to this idea that there were these physical ways to tap into the paranormal that was huge in the 80s. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the Flash. Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd get a Flash reference in Cause, there. Because, uh, like, yes. the Flash, like, somehow by going fast enough, you can pop into, like, 
Well, let's like, see. He's gotten into the Speed Force. Yeah, which is which is like, mm, how many shows are we going to spoil here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which there's some extra dimensionality on the the Flash, mm-hmm. right? In the parallel universe, because the Speed Force isn't a real thing, so it can't be proven scientific. Like that's not scientific. That's paranormal. Uh, yeah, is that paranormal, dude? In, I think in, in, was, in the world of DC. Well, see, the thing is with with the comic books, and I think I think this is one of the things that Stranger Things taps into more clearly. In the comic books, you have the idea between magic and science blending together. Yeah. In Thor, you know, you have that idea where Thor is explaining to Jane Foster in the first one, you know, what you call, you know, magic, we call science. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Um, Which and, is. Yeah, that kind of paraphrasing of the Arthur C. Clarke quote that any technology advanced enough is indistinguishable from science yes. to someone who wouldn't mm-hmm. understand it or know it. Right. Yeah. And so I this think This is that's... my boomstick. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes, another great reference Army dude. of Darkness. Yes. Um, but I think that's what we see here, um, you know, whether whether it's in the DC universe with comics or whether it's in Marvel universe or Stranger Things, you have this very blended combination of uh, magic and science and some people uh, are advanced enough where they can tell the difference between the two and then others look on it and wonder as magic and then there are those who are way advanced and see oh no no this is just this is science and can be explained away Um, and and I think to your point Ben looking at um, Barry as the Flash He's one of those ones who's kind of the in between. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a scientist, but he also seems to have these magic powers. But he would look at it and say, "Oh, this is science. I can explain these right, things right. through science because yeah. he has the mind to do that." Yeah, but on Arrow, it's not science according to according to Oliver. Yeah, according to him, it's magic. Right, right, right. That's... it's cornball on Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's after season three on. It sucks. Yeah, on Arrow. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's basically pure magic on the last couple of seasons. Of I miss. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, with Damian Dark. And, like I missed uh, it when it was more realistic, like Flash and stuff. That they tried to make it scientific, which I like. But then when Damian Dark comes in with his powers that they don't even explain, except no. for like a ritual thing. Yeah, they get a lot more <laughs> like that. Uh, let me throw this out for you guys to see if. Um, this is this is I don't even know this is a theory that's going around. Well, I did see this. Okay, let let's compare Will Byers mm-hmm. and Barb, right? Sure. Who both tragically get kind of sucked into the upside down. And Barb didn't get a funeral or a fake body. No, but Will did. A la Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> um, but there is. Um, I'm thinking that it, this probably isn't that novel. There's something special about Will. Mm-hmm. And here's my thought He's on the it. Flea. Yes, is Will the Flea in The Flea and the Acrobat. Uh, even the, the teaser scenes at the end in the bathroom where he mm. seems to be, is it in his mind or is he kind of flashing into the upside down for a moment with the algae growing and the vines and all that mm. in the bathroom? Um, but I'm thinking, in the why is it when the monster gets him in the shed in episode one, mm-hmm. then they disappear and you right. find out later, oh, they're in the upside down. Right. He manages to evade him. Yeah. Where Barb, who is in the upside down version of the pool, right, is is gotten. Yeah. Uh, and that that I think season, episode three ends. Is it possible? This is just me. I'm really geeking out here. Sure. That will, much like Stephen King, one of my favorite stories, The Talisman, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Jack Sawyer 
uh, learns he can uh, light out for the territories. Mm-hmm. In the talisman, the other dimension is just called the territories. Right. And at first, uh, this old kind of black gentleman, another signature move in the 80s, the older black man that mentors the young disciple, yep. uh, gives him a potion. And then Jack Sawyer realizes he doesn't need it. Yeah. He can get into it because he's special. I'm wondering, is Will Byers special? Yeah. Um, and uh, did did he almost take the monster into the Upside Down, uh, potentially, sure. without knowing it? I, I'm geeking out here. Sure. But there's definitely something when you contrast Barb, poor girl, toast. Right. You know, right. she's just I'm taking... I'm talking up her lack of survival to the mom genes. She right. She wasn't able to run <laughs> far true. enough in them. Yeah, yeah. Will, Will had your typical '80s jeans, the right? Ruffles. The Levi's, yeah. or yeah, the yeah, ruffles. Exactly. They cut down on her wind resistance. <laughs> so true. It just kind of parachuted her back. Yeah, but but what do you guys think? Is there is there something special about Will, or did you not get that? Well, I, well, I think, go ahead. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead, no, ben. No, go ahead, Ben. Then, yeah. then Nathan will jump in. So, well, Will was able to escape somehow, which they didn't really explain. Well, Barb yeah. immediately, as soon as she went there, she died. She's taken, as yeah. you see. But they don't show what happened to Will. Right. Will, like, what did he do? Yeah. How how was he able to escape? He's young. Obviously, it was the pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with with Mr. Bartable's <laughs> pants theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your thoughts on that? Either Nathan, I'm curious. Go ahead. Nike was the Nikes. Yeah, yeah. Well, there there the is ruse. some kind of reference that he kind of manages to for a little bit of time stay away from it. And isn't there even an, a, a, a reference that he kind of concocts a fort sort of area where he's staying away yes. from the monster for yeah. a while. Yes. And so he, he does seem to be kind of resourceful in that ability to uh, keep away from it, but it eventually somehow has him. It does. At, at the end of the season, so to speak, we see, you know, he's, he's spitting up the slugs and whatnot, and he now seems to have some sort of sympathy to that world. Yes. Uh, sympathy being that he's tapping into it and it's tapping into him. I don't, it can't explain how all that is. I think it's probably clear that he is special. I think what's interesting is that Will is the absentee character for the whole story. Yes. Will is Will Byers is not a character in Stranger Things season one. He's more a MacGuffin. He's the MacGuffin, yeah. yeah. Looking yeah. for. And Eleven is that kind of, I think that what you're gonna see, I believe Eleven's still around, but she's gonna probably be more of the MacGuffin or the the character on the fringes in, in season two. Yeah. And I think Will's gonna be that connection to I think the way we're going to learn about the upside down and find out if you know maybe again, a more sympathetic view of the Upside Down as a place where these things are sort of doing their own thing and it and, and there are maybe uh, various spe- specific things we're going to learn about that nuances to the Upside Down. We're going to learn it, I think, through Will. Yeah. Now, whether that's going to make Will a uh, pseudo-villain, I don't, I, I don't know that they'll go that direction, you know, where he's channeling monsters. But, you know, at the end of the story... The kids do put down the the Thessal Hydra, yeah, which is a bigger, badder monster than the de- the Decagor or the Demigorgon. Yeah. So there is even that reference as you look at that. Uh, it, it, as for Barb, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of talking about her like she is some important aspect of the story, or that that sort of imbalance of well, poor Barb, you know, her mom seems to barely care. You know, know. they're like, well, <laughs> she didn't come home. Well, we'll make a new one. Yeah. Uh, it, she was the red shirt from Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, though, what I think the reason Barb sticks in your mind outside of the wardrobe, though, is 
she first off, I think the actress did a really good job playing. Oh, oh, I yeah. mean, she was like great. if you could win a, an Emmy just for frowns alone. Yes. Uh, yes. But I, she put on Facebook she wants to play Squirrel Girl or something, and I was like, she has the right frown for Squirrel Girl. Wow, that's great. One of the more uh, eccentric Marvel characters. Yeah. But, <laughs> Very uh, powerful. Yes, yes, she she somehow defeated Thanos with her squirrels. <laughs> but Barb, you know, the fact that she does die in a very unceremonious way and in a really sad way. I mean, yeah. she dies in the midst of a rejection, which is one of the lowest points for one of the, the quote-unquote hero characters. Yeah. Where she makes some really bad moral decisions. Nathan was talking earlier about how it's a big mashup of all these 80s themes yeah. and ideas and genres. Now, in the horror genre... Barb would have been the survivor girl. You're right. Yeah. You're right. She, she she's virtuous. She tries to stay to the, the 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 clean and narrow. She she tries to help her friend out. And in that moment, she's she's the only real character. Uh, you know, minus the military people that sort of end up fighting one another and the doctor. Yeah. And we're not even sure if the doctor's gone. I hear he might come back. But, but Barb, yeah. she's the one that's legitimately, she's dead. You yeah. know, yeah. She's yeah. upside down, a lonely, sad death. Yeah. But in a way, I think that adds something to the show because it creates a sense of, you know, the world isn't fair. <laughs> yes. <sometimes. clears throat> Agreed. Agreed. Barb sticks in our minds, I think, because of some of that. She is who she is, and this happens to her. It is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to seen her come back, but I kind of, you know, there is an element of staying true to that. And the, the filmmakers have said that next season we're going to see uh, the way they put it was justice for Barb. We are going to see oh. the town react to it. Mm-hmm. We are going to see the, her friends react to it. So there, Barb's going to be a presence, but I don't think Barb is coming back. Interesting. I, mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think it works because if you think about you know, when the characters are, are starting to develop and realize what's actually going on, Barb's death almost has to become secondary because yeah. you know that Will is still alive. So you have to go in and get him. You know this monster's out there taking people into this dimension. You have to stop him. And so to me, it almost makes sense to the way they did it because there there is no appropriate time to grieve and process what has gone on yeah. with Barb um, at this point. Really, nobody even knows what's gone on with Barb yeah. except for Eleven. Yes. Um, Eleven is the only one who was, uh, you know, telekinetically able to see her and know that she was dead. Good point. And, you know, I don't know, I don't expect you guys to remember this. One of Stephen King's stories, which has this, has one of the characters almost mentally channeling himself in a little boat and the monster in this. Oh man, world. you jumped authors. You just jumped to Dean Koontz. Oh, is that Dean Koontz? <laughs> Winter moon where he's in the head of the alien. Yeah. And he's keeping himself. You're right. That isn't to King. Overcome, to overcome the monster that it, or the way has taken over all the creatures in the forest. Yeah. Taken over. Wow. Nathan, that man, was my good. Head is like dude. a, Reservoir of junk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk yes. about the upside down. Yes, yes. Well, so the, you do read Dean Koontz. Do you remember a book called The Door to December? Yes. The I Door do. to December story is very similar to Stranger Things, isn't it? It is, now that you mention it. That's one and of the first uh, Koontz books I ever read. And what the reason I bring it up is it seems to even point towards the maybe one of the reasons I think Modine's character may come back. He had that kind of quick, unceremonious death where the thing jumps on him. Uh, 
you know, there's this, he treats her like she's his daughter. We kind of assume she is not because we get the feeling that he has taken her from this other woman. Right. Yes. But in the, the door to December, the basic plot is this man takes his own daughter from mm. the mother and he does experiments on her to the point where, and there's similar experiments and yes. her ability, she taps into something telekinetic and she brings monsters to life, right, right. invisible monsters, almost like from the forbidden planet that destroy all the people that ever hurt her. Yes. But they get to a point where she can no longer control them and they're storming around, tearing everything to pieces. Yes. And so it's, as I was watching this, that more than even Stephen King stories was what was popping into my, my head. And, and, and along that, uh, if I can geek out with you one last time, Nathan, another Kuntz book uh, was called From the Corner of His Eye. Um, I don't know if you ever read that one. Is that a newer one? I kind of dropped off around yeah. 94. Yeah, this is after uh, – th- this might be around 2000, maybe even okay. 2003. It's one of the last ones I read. Uh, but there is a um, character, fascinating character, um, and I think his name is Bartholomew. Uh, and you find out that uh, he, he loses his eyes when he's four years old or his eyesight when he's four or five. He's got this a pitiful little child. But – like Koontz, like King, he's special. He has what in King's world would be the shining, something along those lines. But I and remember in Koontz's world they call it the shinning or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> whatever, whatever he stole. You don't want to get sued. Exactly. <laughs> and whatever he formulized uh, to make it work. But there is in that the bad guy in that film, they, they span through the decades. It starts in the sixties and goes into the seventies and eighties. And basically this kid draws pictures of this dimension where there are freakish creatures Mm -hmm. and the mom's a little concerned like oh what is that strange thing you drew and then you kind of realize i think he's drawing things that he sees Mm -hmm. or senses and at the end the bad guy gets pushed into that dimension and the horror they never describe it but the horror is him waking up in this dimension filled with these creatures right so that's classic coons by the way they never describe it no exactly (laughs) exactly horrible i can't tell you i can't tell you and then i get to yeah, get my three books in this year for the contract. It's, it's, and uh, That's kind of like the uh, the C.S. Lewis manner. Okay, these things are too scary. It'll give you nightmares, kids. Just they were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were really, really bad. And, dude, I, before we run, because I know we're running on time. Yeah. Got to talk about Hopper. Yeah. Because Tracy yeah. Smith. Contemplation. Yes, there you know it, Ben. Tracy Smith, uh, who, you know, our good friend Matt Smith, who's on, and Tracy's been on a yep. couple of times. Um and uh, what to, to talk about Stephen King yep. was the last time Tracy was on. Yep. Tracy guys bought me a shirt that had my favorite quote from Hopper, episode one. The secretary Flo is nagging him about doing his job. Of course, he comes in disheveled, hungover. Right. You know, I love when they show him brushing his teeth, and then the next scene he's got a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. You know, putting the spray Taking on. Taking his medication the with the beer. With, with, with the, with the <laughs> red, white, and blue or whatever cheap beer he's drinking. And remember, he comes in and she's trying to tell me, he's like, mm-hmm, I'm going to get right on that. He's eating a donut. And remember, she goes, well, so-and-so is here. And he goes, uh, Flo, we've been over this before. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. And then when she <laughs> says, so, coffee and contemplation, Flo. <laughs> Tracy, as a gift, sent me the nice. bought me the shirt that in Stranger Things font. That's mornings awesome. are for coffee and contemplation. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't that great? And to me, it's not just mornings. That's right. <laughs> but did, did were you guys remember Ben? You said how I'm not trying to embarrass you, when they show the scene with Hopper at the end. Yeah, and you realize his past. Yeah. With his daughter, that I know that's kind of a a formulaic way to show a guy's past when he's sure. trying to save Will. 
But we were like really moved by that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His little girl who had cancer right. and the wow that the show can surprise you. Yeah. It did to me. I was like, man, I, I I'm really moved by this scene. Yeah. And I loved Hopper. No, yeah. I, I wasn't moved at all. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I just sat through it. Uh huh. Mr. <laughs> Tough was Guy. Water on my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He spilled his Crystal Pepsi at that point. Is what I. And you right probably into my you, eye you, you probably were drinking Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, I was. <laughs> did either of you guys have a, a Hopper fix like I did? I, I just love the oh, dude. Oh yeah, I thought he was a great character, and they handled him really well. And I thought that they handled that element sensitively because. That is a classic. You go back to King and Coons. That's the classic thing. You've got the guy, who, the wounded hero, the, yeah. the wounded yeah. hero who's yeah. lost a kid, and but they brought it in at the right time. I agree. You would have expected normally to see a flashback to what happened to his daughter about midway through. Yeah. When they bring it in with Will, it 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 pushes home that okay, he's not just trying to hook up with Winona. You know that he right. truly cares about rescuing this kid. But beyond that, I think it also creates a connection that's flowing into season two. His connection to Eleven, because he yes. does sell her out in he a does. sense. And, yes, and, and there's a question of did he do that? He was he playing the odds? Uh, why did he do that? Was he really trying to save her? And I'm, I'm sure that was. But when we see that happening with the daughter, he and Eleven haven't had any real connection yet. But right. I think that we're setting up a relationship that will probably move into the next uh, the next season. Uh, yeah. yeah. And at the end, we see him leaving the, the the waffles, and we don't know if that's because he knows that she's out here already because we see the government guys pick him up, yeah, right. or he's just hopeful that she's still out there. And you know, I personally want to see the end where they both walked up, you know, next to each other in front of that classic kind of Stephen King silhouette of the mountains as the sun's going down, and put their like Men in Black glasses on and just walk into yeah. the sun together. <laughs> that that have been perfect, but mm. it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Um, Well, Greg, as you said, we are winding down on time, but I do want to just go around uh, roundtable one last time. Well, roundtable, so to speak. Yeah. Nathan is over in Perry Hall, so we'll Perry Hall at roundtable. Yeah. Um, Make the circle bigger. That's right. 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 Nathan, make sure you're sitting at a roundtable, so this is legit. Oh, wait, but can I just interject too? Wasn't that scene where the the science teacher describes the upside down a great, great scene? Yes. Yes. For, for bringing in the idea of that world in a yeah. way that was compelling. To yes. yes. Well, and that science teacher oh, yeah. was crazy. Well, awesome. When the yeah. kid manipulates him into yes. telling them how to build the sensory deprivation. Yes. Yeah. When, 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 when he's on the, the, the date yes. with the Asian <laughs> chick and they're watching uh, The Thing. Yes. And and kind of commenting on 80s. It's 10 o'clock on a Saturday. Right, right. Yeah. So remember he said they used what? Melted, uh, what was it? Uh, it was, plastic or. Oh, yeah. You know, for the, the geeking thing. out over over the special effects and but yeah, uh, I I think right to use the science that you always want the interpretive guide uh, in the story <clears throat> that can explain it, tell you. You kind of need that, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, that's he provided that in, in such a unique, nerdy way. It, it was great. Yeah. So we're just gonna go ahead. Um, we're gonna zing around, um, Nathan. I'm gonna go ahead and start with you. Um, just kind of final thoughts um, on anything, you know, favorite moments or, um, you know, just kind of one last time to geek out on the show. Anything you want to say or talk about, um, and then we'll just kind of go around with it. I'm going to go totally nerdy. And the first thing I will say, I'm really looking forward to season two. Yeah. I think it's brilliant that they released the titles already so we can sit there and speculate about that for months. I'm more excited that it's going to take place during the fall of 1984. Yes. That we're going to get – that we have titles like the Pumpkin Patch and things like that in the 
the title line. So to me, the fall is my favorite time of year. I love that whole Halloween sort of mentality. Yes. Um, and that, you know, the music was a throwback to John Carpenter, who also yeah, had Halloween, a lot of those yeah. kind of movies. Yeah. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to that aspect. But to me, this is probably pushing it a little far. But did any of you with that wraparound of the Dungeons and Dragons element where they're playing it in the beginning and yep. then they're playing it at the end and the whole way the quest unfolds and the kids going there, there, there was almost a like Tolkien-esque element, I yeah. thought, going underneath Stranger Things where you have these kids who go on this journey and they are t- undertaking something that's much larger than themselves. And at the very end, after going through all of this, fantastical stuff and having this friend who, by the way, it was totally weird. She was in his basement for like three weeks and her parents didn't even ever <laughs> yeah. find her. Yeah, that was hysterical, yeah. <laughs> but that was like, But what? that is so 80s because I remember my parents never going into the basement. Well, like, that was our hangout yep, place. Yep, yep. But they had a nice developed, yeah, I mean, it was like, a, talk about latchkey kids. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, and yeah. having some of that kind of melancholy remembrance of, you know what, there was a time when kids could ride their bikes from here and back again, you know, as far as they wanted without parents really worrying that they'd been taken or or something like that. But at the very end, when they're sitting around (laughs) playing the game and they've gone through all this and they're kind of back where they were, uh, all the magical stuff is now relegated to what's happening on their board again. And it was sort of a weird moment that not so much in the novels, the Lord of the Rings, because the scouring of the Shire takes place there. Yeah. Right. But in the, in the, the Peter Jackson movies where they kind of go back to the town and, you know, they're heroes for about two days and then they're upstaged by a giant pumpkin that the guy yeah. has picked out of his past. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of like interesting to see these kids who they've, they've, they've settled back into their normal life. Yes. Except yeah. for Will, who's got this thing that's still like on his back. So yeah. I'm really curious to see what that's going to look like. Yeah, know? I agree. I agree. Greg. Yeah. I mean, I love what Nathan just said. I mean, you're right. The season two tease because, and I love the meta fiction element that they, they put in and it's, it's kind of obvious, but it was so good at the very end when uh, cuz obviously you know and i've read this and it's not hard to see the the dungeons and dragons game at the beginning yeah. clearly foreshadows what happens right because it's like should he cast a protection spell right or use a fireball right and basically he said remember i rolled a 7 i, I wouldn't have gone yeah right. he got me yeah and then of course he goes into the shed he gets a fireball which right. doesn't he, work a the gun the boomstick uh the boomstick exactly and so you, you kind of know okay the 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 D&D game is foreshadowing what is to come and the end, I just loved because it's exactly how Ben and I felt watching it. Well, oh, man, I wish maybe two more episodes. Right. You know, give me two more. It was you, you wanted more, but how um, they're done the campaign. Yeah, and uh, you remember they said what? That was only like ten hours. Yeah. That was uh, crazy. And they ha- they ask three or four questions. What about the flowers of such and such? <laughs> what right. about I thought, exactly? They're winking to the audience. Yep, right. that's what we did to you. Yeah, uh, and they're just telling you, you know. Which uh, in that case, it just fit. It it, it was kind of folksy. Uh, I like the the D and D element. Uh, <clears throat> watch this for the- if you maintain as I do. I, I don't take it too far that there's a perfect parallel for every uh-huh. character. That there's something of. I don't want to even always say the gospel. There's something of God's sure. truth stamped sure. on anything. Yeah. You know, uh, I always like Piper's quote that even the uh, speed and excellence of gladiators hacking each other to death in the arena yeah. uh, speaks of something yeah. of our desire for glory and speed and fame. And so, you know, in that vein, because I'm not going to make perfect parallels. Sure. I, 
Ben's point earlier, and I'm not just saying it because he's my son and a Dutcher, <laughs> but that, you know, 11, yeah. who I, I can't help but wonder, too, are there others? And she's mm-hmm. the 11th. Right. Um, you know, and... Uh, That's a good point. You know, you kind of wonder. Right. What, was she one in, in, in the clone? And Although I hope they don't bring back... Like a twelve, that's the same actress, but it's supposed to be a different person. But we'll see. Right. We'll see. Um, but there is that element where she obviously, at the end, yep. is willing to sacrifice herself. Yeah, it, it was very moving to me when she just looks at Mike and goes, "Goodbye, Mike." Yeah, and dude, by the way, the kiss was so perfectly. How embarrassed Ben here? Thirteen-year-old awkward. Yes, you know, it was just perfect. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just the perfect awkward rushed kind of kiss. But there was a sense of excitement there and wonder. Right. Uh, so like I getting mean, licked by an alien slug, <laughs> <laughs> or Barb, yeah, or Barb, <laughs> exactly. But I did like that. You can actually point to that. I mean, yeah, so many stories do. Look, man, she she ultimately defeated it through some form of self sacrifice, right? And I mean, how hard is that to yeah. say, man, that theme we've seen that before? Sure, it's in a it's in a crucifixion pose when she dispatches it. Yes, yes, yes. it is, isn't it? Yep, it is, isn't it? And how, and, and you know, I know the theory is they're one and the same, whatever symbiotic connection or whatever they have. There is something that she kind of takes on the destruction of the thing itself, right? Upon herself, yeah. So I just love that. There's always yeah. you can look and well, find the stamp of something there. And what's interesting, Greg, you and I talked about this. At the end of the movie, um, the girl does not wind up with the guy you think she's going to. Yes. You know, Steve Steve ends up having almost a – and again, not to get too over-spiritualized, but almost has a conversion moment where he does a complete 180. Yep. And it's more like a 78. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just a little bit less of a jerk. <laughs> He's a little less D-baggish. That's right. Yeah, he um, yeah, cuz he does kind of realize his friends are jerks. Right. Remember? They've taken it too far. They took it too far. He's he, participated in that. And he, he goes fights, back to yeah. fights the demigod. Yeah. So. Well, what's interesting is he even, you know, you see him do have these changes where he goes back to the movie theater and yeah. and offers to clean up. Oh, that's right. You know? I forgot about that. He does. Um and and you see them together at the end and he makes sure, you know, makes sure that the kid who, you know, his whose camera he destroyed gets another one. Yes. Uh, you know, so you see these moments um, when he gets his haircut, that's when I'll believe it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's the true moment of repentance. So true, man. He's on the fence right now. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you know, I obviously agree with everything you guys have been uh, saying with this. So looking forward to season two. Oh. Um, if the Duffer brothers are out there listening to this, I want to see Bruce Campbell in season yes. two. Yes. Um, the ultimate epitome of 80s. Dude. So um, just a cameo. Maybe he's just some weird dude in the upside down. He can even be the Demi Gorgon. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Just as long as he's in the suit yeah, and his Burton, name gets there. That's Yes. Kind of, they could bring the escape from the upside down New York yeah, kind of right, thing into it. it. Kurt Russell shows up with an iPad. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be oh, awesome, man. That's great. Um, and for our uh, last word on it, Ben, I want to shoot it over to you. Okay. Here's something I didn't like about the show. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, a, a downer. Okay. So it's eight episodes long. Yep. It, they all, all the episodes come out on the same time, and you have to wait an entire year to watch it again. That's Netflix, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's every Netflix, man. Which I don't like how Netflix does it. 
<laughs> yeah. What, what, so you want him to release it a show at a time, like over a week? or Yeah, I would actually like that. So I could – so I don't watch it over the course of three days and I have to wait longer to watch it again. Dude, you would have loved the 80s, Ben. Because that's how that's we right. watch yeah. that stuff. Yeah, every yeah. season, thirty-five episodes. I know, yes. thirty-five episodes, and you're, yeah. you know, it's, you're, you can't wait till school only, starts. But this yeah. was only. But you just episodes. had to hope they didn't cancel it. That's the one thing about Netflix. Yeah, like, at least true. you get the full season. True, that's right. Yep. It's it's that all true. there. Yeah. yeah, look at Twin Peaks. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> but I do know Ben, and I you do feel that you binge watch it. You're like, oh, I gotta wait a year. Yeah. for part two. But so, think about how painful waiting between that episode. Where we think Will is dead. Oh, yes. Oh, waiting yeah. a week or two weeks or whatever. That yeah. would have been painful. That's yeah. true, man. The 30 seconds it took me to clamor to turn the remote back on. Yeah. Was- <laughs> <laughs> that was painful enough. Yep. yep. Um, so, Ben, let me just ask you this. What are you th- most looking forward to discovering or finding out in season two? If there are, if there are more than one 11s. Okay. Uh-huh. Like if there's a one, two, three, four. Yeah. But, Very cool. but as you said, I didn't. I don't want there to be like um, the same actor for everyone because that would just get confusing. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. yeah, maybe it'll be a superhero team that's out there somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Maybe guys, it'll be these go to eleven. Ooh, <laughs> what? Go, dude, right? did you see the meme that uh, one of our um, faithful listeners, actually, he's a new listener, no, uh, made for us? He he uh, uh, Facebook messaged us. And um, said, you know, he's really been enjoying the podcast, heard us over at the Reformed Pub. Yep. So shout out to you guys over there at the Reformed Pub. And uh, said he's really been enjoying us and loving us. And he made a little meme, uh, posted it on his wall, and sent us the message. So you have to look it up. Oh. These go to, and with a picture of 11. Oh, dude. I, what could be more, more honoring? Change, That's right. Change your logo. Yeah, we yes. might have to, man. We, <laughs> I, I think we might use that logo yeah, for uh, Millie Bobby Brown, right? Uh, it's right. her prerogative. That's right. Um, sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> can I? Can I ask one last question? Yeah, just popped in. And Greg, maybe you would know that dress that Eleven wears in the scene where they kind of dress her up, kind of yeah. ET style. Yeah. That that was bugging me because to me that was referencing some possibly obscure '80s movie, maybe a horror movie, but that that pink dress that she yeah. was wearing with the blonde hair. It struck some chord, but I could not for the oh. life of me, and my head's full of stuff, I could not for the life of me figure out where it came from. And I never saw any references online to it, but it seemed like they were tapping something what there with that. What were the shiny yeah. twins wearing when the little it, boy Not met. that, but it's kind of like that. It's there's got that eerie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I could... don't know if there's something down, some buried memory from the 80s that they tapped into, but that bothered me because I could not figure it out, but it, it stuck with me. I, you know what? Now that you say it, it did have a boy. That's familiar. Like they're tapping yeah. into something, and I mean, part of it is maybe Alice in Wonderland ish. Uh, mm. She just has this sort She's of blue, though. Too. It that's was, true. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, maybe there's a third dimension Wonderland. Oh man! <laughs> oh, my, a once upon a time tie-in. Oh, yes. That that's going to come on the spin-off show, strangest thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that's coming. But um, no, I, I that that kind of teases me too a little. I'm going to yeah. look into that, Nathan. That's that's a cool thought. I mean, clearly you're right. I mean, the ET thing stood out. Remember when yeah. they dressed it up? Have like, you seen uh, the meme where they just photoshopped Eleven's face on the little basket? Yes, <laughs> yes. Elliot's driving, riding his bike oh, in ET, and, and so instead of ET yes. in the front, it's Eleven. It's, well, that was so cool, dude. Well, that scene with the van, Ben and I were like, 
wow. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Awesome. When you see her power, you know, unleashed like that, it was so cool. That was great. Guys, thank you so much for joining us, Ben. This has been awesome. Great having you on here and yeah, your perspective. Yeah, awesome. uh, hang out with you, Ben. Thanks. Um, so we're going to go ahead too, and um... – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was endured tonight to, right. to get the better Dutcher. I'll take it. We're going to uh, – I'm going to give uh, all of our sign-offs tonight since this is crossover with Pop Culture Ninja and these go to 11. We're going to sign off now. Guys, we just rocked the Casbah ninja style. Oh!